Hey, and welcome to another episode of AT Banter. Banter, banter. Hey, this is, of course, the podcast where we talk with advocates and members of the disability community to educate and inspire better conversation about disability. Hey, my name is Rob Minot. Oh, sorry, there's a lawnmower going. Hey, my... <laughs> it's just, it's always, they're always doing gardening right around the show. Uh, hey, my name is Rob Bono, and joining me today, Mr. Steve Barkley. Hey, that's me. And hey, it's also Mr. Ryan Flurry. That's Colorado omelet to you. <laughs> you. You are what you eat today, is that That's the what I am, yep. All right. Yeah, it's like, talk about an inside inside joke. Yeah. Well, we gotta explain you, that to the audience. Then you can call me two by two by two. <laughs> okay, so yes, you, know, you guys are slowing down the show now. Now I've got to explain to the audience that we went to IHOP this morning. And Actually, you're more got... than a two by two by two because you had Rob's two. Oh, that's right. I'm a two by four by two. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is getting That's exhausting. Go. This, is, this, is, this is getting exhausting. This intro already, and I got to explain. So we went to IHOP. Just forget it. <laughs> I love it. Yes. All right. Well. Yes. Yeah, so now we blew all the banter time talking about <laughs> talking about IHOP. You guys got. I'm not even going to ask you how you guys are. All right. Whatever. That's well. Let's put your guest on. Let's 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 just go and figure out what the heck we're doing today. So, uh, Steve. Yes. Uh, why don't you tell the fine folks at home uh, what the heck we're doing today? Well, the other day, just shortly after we recorded a podcast, my daughter came running into the room saying, Dad, Dad, you got to see this. There's this guy on TikTok who wants to be Tony Stark and invent Jeeves. And I thought, my God, doesn't he know about Ultron? We'd better bring this guy on the program and talk him down. So uh, with no further ado, uh, Kenny Vo, this is your intervention. Hey guys, uh, my name is Kenny. <laughs> I build robots. Thank you for having me in the show. <laughs> Thanks well, for coming. Yeah, Atron's, uh, Ultron's coming. You know, it's uh, it's, on, it's on its way. I'm just, I'm joking. I'm joking. It's, <laughs> it's your next, it's your next project. Yeah, <laughs> depending on how this podcast goes. You know, it's it's funny because we have been we have been talking and joking a lot about AI, and and of course, you know, AI has been you know in the news constantly for the past three months, four months, probably probably even a, bit, a little bit longer than that now. Um, so you know, and and. So we sort of have our our aspect to it. And I do really feel like this technology is really going to be the next big leap forward, whether we like it or not, because it's kind of out of the box now. So I am kind of excited to, to talk to somebody who has been playing with it and who knows a hell of a lot more about it than any of us do. So, yeah, why don't we just start? Tell us a little bit about about uh, yourself and your background and and a little bit about the channels and, and how AI ties into all that. Well, uh, so like I said, my name is Kenny. Um, I go by Kenivo on all my social media, but yeah, I build robots. So I'm actually in the works of developing a system called Eevee, who's designed to essentially just help people. So she's a, an AI system who looks, listens, and interacts with the real world and, and tries to make educated guesses as to what's happening to people and then do actions for them in cases where they're not able to. So that's her whole entire philosophy design. And uh, it's entirely just to help people. And it could just be, it could be anyone between like, if you're blind, if you're disabled, you know, if you're just living day-to-day -day life, because, you know, as we know, life is pretty difficult as it is. And her whole premise is to make sure that, you know, we use the technology that we have available and to make our lives a little bit easier, you know, the little mundane things in life. Okay. So I'm going to stop yeah. you there because and I'm super curious already. So now what's your background though? Like, do you, or do you have like a computer science degree? Like what, like how, where, where does, where does that, that skill sort of come from to, to build robots and an AI? Well, so I, uh, I go to the University of Calgary here. So I graduated with a degree, uh, but I actually started in engineering and then I ended up dropping out. Uh, not because it was, you know, like something I didn't want to do, but it just, it wasn't fulfilling to me. So I ended up actually dropping out of engineering in university 
And then I went back to university to get a completely different degree. And then lo and behold, now I'm back in the field of engineering on my own, but it's all entirely self-taught. So people have this weird uh, association with AIs from like movies that AI systems are very complicated and like a far off in our reach. It's really super close. It's a lot closer than we think it is. And it's a lot more simple than a lot of people make it out to be, but I'm entirely self-taught. And I actually, I started with just really basic things. You know, I could, I told the story about the, my neighbor whom EV saved at one point in time, which again, it's just an absolute miracle that it worked, but uh, yeah, it all started with just trying to help her with little things. So she's in a wheelchair and when her husband passed away, she was on her own and no one was there to look out for her. So I started helping her with just little tiny little machines. Um, her wheelchair, I put a RFID chip. It's like a little you know, sensor chip uh, and a door it had like an old, uh, you know, like the swinging door arms that they use at hospitals. I found one at a junkyard and I installed that in her house. And every time she'd wheel up in her wheelchair, the sensor would pick up the RFID chip and it would open the door by herself. And then at the time, you know, the advent of smart locks and home cameras and stuff, I started just adding things to her, her well-being, just making her life a little bit easier, you know, a deploy, an automatic deploying ramp, which is just like a basic thing. But as I, I began to do more and more things for her, I started noticing that she needed more and more complex systems to help her out with specific things. So like um, she doesn't have the ability to turn on the tap anymore. So instead of having her turn on the tap, I put a sensor in the front of her, her little, the railing in front of her, her wheelchair. And then she could just kind of just mouse her hand over it and it turns on the tap for her. And then, you know, she told me, she told me about these things where she had medical issues with like heart palpitations and difficulties breathing and stuff. And she always had a worry in the back of her head of like, if something goes wrong, there's literally no one here that I can call upon to help me. And that's when I started delving into more complicated things like machine learning and computer vision. And I started making things for her that were, were there just for her, you know, like a safety net for her. So I made her have like a little hand gesture where she just clenches her hands on her chest and the system would recognize that through computer vision and then automatically call the police. And that's how it all started. That's where it all began. And then I kept building on that. I kept building on that idea and then started adding in like, like complex neural networks. And then, you know, what if she does this as opposed to this hand gesture, or what if she has this situation? So it kind of kept evolving from that, that very humble beginning. And then that's where we are now, where we are uh, <laughs> making videos on the internet about this cool system. And I, I work with the, uh, the local children's hospital here. So we monitor heart attacks and strokes in kids before they happen. So kids don't need to have a nurse on 24 hour standby watching them all the time. So the system watches them. And as soon as it has like the smallest inklings of like a seizure, for example, it would kick in and it will alert every nurse, every doctor in the vicinity. Uh, I also work with patients at home now who just are not able to call for help. Some of them are mute. Some of them are blind. Some of them are disabled war veterans. So it's really just like a, it's kind of spread from just helping my neighbor to now helping a bunch of people and yeah, <laughs> that's right. And now it just gets more and more complex. Right. I think a lot of people like don't really even understand what we're talking about when we talk about mm. AI. So maybe we can just take a, a step back for a minute and you can, if you can just kind of explain what it is that, that we're talking about when we talk about an AI program. Yeah, for sure. So if I were to ask you, for example, to make a decision, just a decision for yourself, you would use things that you see, you hear, your past knowledge, um, what you can feel, what you can taste, your senses essentially, to interact with the world and then make an educated guess based on those bits of information. What AI basically is, is it does the same thing, but at a larger scale. So there are different types of AIs, but the one where kind of most people think about are like the, I use air quote, but sentient ones, which they don't exist. But um, what, they, what they do is they basically take on information from all sorts of different sensors, educated guess or decision on what it should do next. 
that's like the most basic form of AI. So when we're talking about um, chat GPT, for example, we'll, mm -hmm. we'll take that as an example. Um, what differentiates that from, say, yours? Well, they both use large language models. And uh, what it is, is it, it scrapes through the internet. So as opposed to using our eyes as humans, we use our eyes to see things. The AI system, the model, uses information found on the internet. And, you know, as we can right. only see like whatever we see in front of us, the AI can see millions and millions of things all at once. Right. And that's right. what, that's what expands it. That's what it, that's how it sees the world. And that's how it can process what comes in and comes out. I see. So yours mm -hmm. say, you know, it's using its, its senses, we'll call it in terms of like camera, whatever, whatever you've taught it and chat GPT, the reason why that's so powerful and that we're hearing so much about it is basically it senses is like just whatever's online, like just it's the scope of information that it has access to. Yeah, um, that's the the biggest difference. That that would be one of the bigger differences. Evie actually does the same thing. She has like a language model, and what she does is she looks online for specific things, such as things involving like WebMD or um, symptoms, uh, prognosis. The she's uh, she's searching for very specific things. So you can think of Chat ChatGPT as like a very broad casting net. Um, the things that Evie looks for are very specialized. So they're very, they're more controlled, right? That way she's not saying like, Hey, you know, I have a headache. Well, go outside and like get into a car. Like there's no correlation between the two, right? It's cancer. It's cancer. <laughs> it's cancer. Yeah, it's cancer. <laughs> oh, we had so many cancer calls. <laughs> the other thing that fascinates me about this. So now there are, are there any sort of regulations? Like, did you have to fill out a form? Did you have to do anything at all in order to develop um, an AI? No, actually, it's such a new field that even today, we're trying to figure out things like copyright law for AIs who are making art pieces. We're still trying to figure out you know, who owns what an AI says, who's right. liable for what an AI says, or who's, you know, if some, let's just say one of my system saves a life, but at the end, th that decision costs a life. Who's liable? Is it me or is it a system? Right. And we're in this brand new field, literally... I mean, AI has been around for years and years and years now, and it's just been in the kind of the shadows of everything. But this year alone, it's been exploding. It's been in the limelight. Like everyone in the grandma has access to chat GPT or, you know, mid journey or these other AI models. Right. And it's, it's become more mainstream. And now with that becomes, you know, there's the fears and there's the questions and yeah, a whole new world of just trying to figure out how do we navigate the the legal works of this yeah well it's interesting you say that because that's kind of my feeling too because we you know we've been they've been talking about things like machine learning and all of that stuff and and rolling that into all all kinds of different systems for for a while now mm -hmm. but it just for for whatever reason in the last 6 months um all of a sudden it, the exposure really exploded. And I guess that's because for the first time, like all that other machine learning was always in the background. Mm -hmm. And we finally sort of built out front facing systems that people could access themselves and really see that power of, of AI. Yeah, I actually, it's, it's crazy. I get a chance to talk with so many kids and they have so many questions because their world is changing. You know, they're literally going from, oh, I'm going to do my homework to now I'm just going to go use ChatGPT and AI system to do my homework for me. And it's going to be better. So their, their entire perspective of the world is changing. And I've had some talks with like schools and parents about how AI is going to affect people. And yeah, it's really just everyone having access to it now. It's almost like um, if we went back in time and I gave you an iPhone. And then you're like, oh, I have access to the world's internet and I can do everything I want. You would be, you'd be ahead of everyone else, right? And I think that's one of the feelings that a lot of kids get nowadays where they're like, oh, if I want to be a good student, if I want to be with the now, the current world, I need to figure out this whole AI thing and utilize it myself in order right. to just keep up. Um, and, and, and of course, to write its term papers. 
Yeah, the term papers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If I had that university, I would not be here. God, <laughs> yeah, no doubt. <laughs> well, and I find that the other really interesting thing about it too is is because you know the technology is here; it's arrived. We have people that are actively working on it, but mm. there's all these things that we really haven't thought of. And it's interesting that you talk about the legality of it because even you know we were goofing around with it a few weeks ago, and Ryan. Ryan got ChatGPT to write him a country song, and it did. It wrote him out all the lyrics, and he's like, cool, I'm going to put this to music. And then we started talking about it. I was like, well, then, if you do that, like, how does that work? How does the copyright work for that? Like, do you own the copyright for that? Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's, there's all these sort of legal things that we still have to figure out. Um, but, you know, somebody better get on it pretty soon because the, the technology is here. Yeah. I mean... In all honesty, it's going to take something really big to happen. Something, right. unfortunately, most of the time, according to history, something really bad to happen before we kind of kickstart ourselves in the gear and be like, yo, we need to, we need to hammer this out. Right. But, you know, just like everything in life, it's like, I mean, like, even like, look at like nuclear bombs and you yeah, only really well. have those kind of like rules and regulations as soon as someone's like, oh, what have we done? Right. Like, this is. This is not right. We've crossed the threshold. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, does that worry you as somebody who's sort of working in that space? Like, do you kind of go, man, I don't know. Maybe, like, maybe we should put the brakes on this because they have been talking about that, like putting the brakes on it. But I don't know. My feeling is that it's kind of too late to really do that. Like, I don't know how you would how you'd put the brakes on it at this point. I, I don't think there is a way to put brakes on it. I actually um, I mentioned earlier that I had a chance to talk with uh, schools and kids. And one of the things that these teachers had to, to ask me was, how do we stop these kids from using AIs? That's their biggest question because everyone in, you know everyone's using it to get an A plus in their grade. And they're like, we can't stop this. <laughs> you know, it wasn't our generation. We didn't grow up with AIs to so know how this works. And so one of the questions was, how do we stop kids from using these systems? And I sort of explained it to them in a, a way that kind of makes sense, but it's like calculators, 1980s. No one had a calculator, a graphing calculator, TI-83. Yeah. Um, and then as soon as that was starting to get into mainstream, kids adopted it, schools adopted it. Now there's actually courses on how do we use uh, this calculator properly to do our calculus. Right. Right. And that was the natural evolution. I think AI systems is the next natural evolution for kids as opposed to being like, how do we stop this from happening? It's something more like, how do we teach kids to use this ethically? How do mm. we teach kids to you know, use this uh, in the greatest effect? Because now it's my AI versus your AI, our prompts, you know, it determines our grade, right? So how do we right. use that you know, uh, effectively to get our answers? And how do we navigate these waters for these kids? Because if my son, if I had a son, uh, he didn't use an AI system and every other kid did and they all got A's and my son got a B, I'd be like, okay, well, obviously my child would have to be the one to, to learn how to figure this out. Right. Right. And that's, that's one of the things where like we've unlocked Pandora's box. <laughs> yeah, say. well, absolutely. Well, and I mean, mm -hmm. and I feel like in terms of that, like I, I, I'm sure that the same conversations happened, you know, when Google was around, you know, when it first launched and people were like, oh my, oh my God, like kids are just going to Google all their information. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we figured that out. And I, and I kind of feel like we'll do the same here, even if it's a matter of, um, I'm sure that eventually there will be some way to, um, you know, build, even if it's to build another AI that can recognize another AI, you know, the, the writing. Um, and I mean, I, I do hear that they're, they're already working on stuff like that. So I'm sure that eventually they'll figure it out where, you know, it, it's, you, you'll be able to detect that somehow. Mm -hmm. that, that was one of my questions. If you took a, a, a term paper that was written by an AI, gave it to the a, to an AI and said, was this written by an AI? Would they be able to identify <laughs> that it actually was written by an AI? Well, I mean, yeah, that's the, that's the one thing about machine learning is that, Eventually, we're just kind of, you know, we're stacking upon stacking upon stacking these these questions, essentially. Yeah. And it's incredible to see what AI can do. I, I was trying to work with a system where it would code for me. It would program things in Python. Mm -hmm. And I'd be like, I would get a, an output for it. I would test it. It would give me an error. 
and I'd be like, okay, what do I do to fix this error? So the, the AI would fix it for me. And it would, I would keep on doing this reiteration process over and over again. And by the end of it, I wouldn't be able to even discern if this was written by a person or a machine. And it's, wow. it's this reiteration process where what we're seeing right now is this very surface level, like, give me this, it spits out this. But I think in the future, what we're going to have is, you know, give me this. And then the machine's going to reiterate on its own constantly, constantly until it has something that fits what we need. And we, you know, obviously we'll be more specific to be like, I need this. That doesn't sound like it's written by AI. That's in French. That's, you know, like this many characters long and has these little vocal linguistics to it. And these little tiny, uh, you know, inflections in voice, like we can start to like taper the system out so that it outputs exactly what we need. And it'll be hard. It'll be hard to discern wow. how, how it works. Even artists now are having troubles proving in court of law that this AI system stole their artwork, you know, having yeah. to tell the difference between like this pixel and this pixel, they're both red, but is it used by another piece of art? You know, who owns this one pixel? It's, there's so many complications with that. It's, it's blending into a world where it's, it's super entirely subjective. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I guess that's the, that's the worry and that's the danger behind it is the same thing that, that makes it such a powerful tool is that it learns like it just, it keeps getting better. Like it will mm -hmm. problem solve at a rate that, you know, we can't even comprehend and it will just keep working on it and working on it until it fixes it. And so that the technology just as a basis is just getting better and better the more that we use it. Exactly. And one of the big issues with mainstreaming it nowadays is like, let's say us four here, we're like, oh, let's everyone draw a picture of a pig. Well, we only have four samples. You know, they can only learn from us four. And I'm not an artist. I'm not sure about you guys, but nope. it would look like a pretty ugly pig. Right. <laughs> Simply <laughs> just from my sample. <laughs> but now you know, we expand that to 10 people. Oh, you know what? The pig looks a little bit better now. Right. We've said to a million people. Oh, wow. That's a really good looking pig. But of those million people, did it take, I don't know, 1% from Steve, 1% from Ryan, 2% from me? Like, where did it come from the most? And that's now we're engaging into a world where it's not just millions, it's millions per second. Right. You know, they uh, chat GPT and open AI quoted their prompt rate and the, the price for their prompt rate. I think they quoted, it was like $13 million every minute. Wow. Just to, just to process everything. That's, I mean, you put that in perspective, that's a lot of wow. money. No doubt. That's yeah. a whole ton of money. Yeah. In just a minute, right? So now we're talking about like 6 billion people in the world. Yeah. Every every second using something. It's mind blowing. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And you, you said something earlier I want to circle back on. You, you said that uh, at this point there is no uh, sentient AI. Um, last, last summer, uh, Blake Lemoyne from, from Google claimed that their, their AI Lambda could already be sentient and, and he promptly got fired. Um, <laughs> do you, do you think there's any possibility that there is somebody out there with a, with a, uh, an AI that, well, I, I guess the test is the Turing test, right? That can actively pass a Turing test. Uh, it's one of our current tests that we have available. Is it the best test? Probably not. Is it the only one we have? Definitely so, but from a, a personal standpoint, I don't think we're even close to sentiency. Um, I think we get really close to it feeling like sentiency. I think there's um, a certain point at which we cross this threshold of like, oh, this is creepily weird. You know, it's, it's almost too real. It's like those dolls we see sometimes on the internet. Where it's like, <laughs> is that a person or is that a doll? Like, it's hard to tell, right? And there, there isn't a clear cut point in time of saying like, this is now sentient because we've never actually approached it. And, but we're, we're human. So we're, we're super subjective about how we see and interact with things in the world. And oh, indeed, and, the, and we tend to personify things even, you know, you know, like I, I talk to my pen sometimes, you know, <laughs> <laughs> we'll come back to the pen. Why are you writing? <laughs> Put my thoughts down, please. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you ask an eight-year-old if they thought Evie was real, 
like a sentient being, a ton of them would say yes. But it's just their frame of reference is it's different, right? right? For me, who's been working with Evie, I see her prompts coming out at hundreds, if not thousands, every time I ask her something. It's that she's just generating these prompts and she's making the best educated guess as to what I'd want to hear, how I'd want to hear it, and what my question was. And then she outputs that prompt. But I see the back ends of it. And I'm like, okay, so she's thinking about a thousand different scenarios. She picks this one. She thinks is the best one with the best sentence structure. And she outputs that one. To me, I see it. I'm like, that's, it's not sentience. It's just mathematics. Yeah. It's a process. Right? It's, it's, um, yeah. I, I don't know if you know, but um, Ray Kurzweil was was big uh, a few years, well, more than a few years, probably two decades ago in the uh, in the blindness industry. It was very, very much involved in uh, coming up with solutions for people who are blind and visually impaired. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I, I actually got to sit down to lunch with him one time. And he 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 sounded like a crazy man when he when he talked because he, you know, Ray looks way, way into the future. Uh, but he he said uh, that he felt that that. AI would would achieve the ability to pass a, a Turing test consistently somewhere around 2029. Um, do, do you think that's a, a, a reasonable uh, prog- prognostication? Do you think <laughs> Do you think we're that close? I think I think it'll be sooner. You do? Well, yeah. I think what's going to happen personally is that I mentioned earlier that something big is going to happen, and then it's going to reformulate how we think about everything. And I think. It's just like people like me on the world who are playing with this, who are dealing with this, who are trying to utilize this, these kind of AI systems. You're going to have someone somewhere in the world come up with the next touring test and the next one after that. So I think it'll be a, it'll be a process where we'll have like 20 different tests by the end of it. And then we'll discover where we're at. But in the next few years, yeah, I can totally see AIs surpassing the touring test and going on to like touring two, three, four, five, six, you know, wow. there's, yeah. I can see it. I can see us escalating almost like goalposting our, our standards as it becomes more and more normalized. Yeah. So you, you said earlier that you, you, you didn't think the Turing test was, was a good test, I believe. Uh, do you, is there, is, are there people working on the next iterations of, of this test or of a uh, test? Uh, just to correct that. I, I didn't say it was a it wasn't a good test. It's a great test. I just I think it's the only test we currently have as our standard. Sorry, sorry. I yeah. Think, yeah, you're right. You did say it was the only <laughs> test we have. Yeah, not, the only test we have. Test. Yeah. It's a great test, and it's, I think it's a totally valid point. Um, but it's the only thing we have, and that's you know we can only measure what we have. If I have a meter stick, that's all I can measure. Um, and I think that's that's just probably one of the biggest weaknesses we have right now because. The Turing test came out decades ago, and that's the only system we have. But every year, technology changes, and we advance so fast. Our our systems are really outdated. They're not keeping up with what we need in day to day life. You, know, you look at school systems, and they're still teaching the very old classic way of you know chalk on board, and but everyone is out here sitting with an iPad and like four phones. <laughs> you know, like yeah. they have access to the world's internet in their hands and. The systems has, have not kept up, unfortunately. And I think the Turing test is one of those antiquated systems that just have not really caught up just yet. But it's, again, the only thing we have, unfortunately. For those of us who don't know what the Turing test is, can you expand on that a little bit more? Oh, you know, I've never actually explained this to someone I, before. I have, the, I have the Wikipedia entry up in front of me. <laughs> yeah, you know, hit, hit, me wiki. With, hit, hit me with the wiki. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll hit you with the wiki here. Yeah. It, it says the Turing test originally uh, called the imitation game by Alan Turing in 1950 is a test of a machine's ability to exhibit intelligent behavior equivalent to or indistinguishable from that of a human. Uh, he proposed that a human evaluator would judge natural language conversations between a human and a machine designed to generate human-like responses. The evaluator would be aware that one of the two partners in the conversation was a machine, and all participants would be separated from one another. The conversation would be limited to a text-only channel such as a computer keyboard and screen, so the result would not depend on the machine's ability to render words as speech. Oh, I'd say we're already there. If the evaluator could not reliably tell the machine from the human, the machine would have would be said to have passed the test. Oh uh, yeah, okay, okay. So I, I've actually I, I've I, I've 
gone after ChatGPT and tried to have a conversation <laughs> with ChatGPT. And I got to say, ChatGPT would not pass a Turing test at this point. Uh, again, this is one of those moments that are very subjective. Yeah. You know, this is one of those things where if I took us to a third world country, right? And I was like, hey, talk to this machine. They'd be like, oh my God, like, why is this guy on tech support? And why is he like, why is his English not that great? But I can still kind of figure out what he's saying. I think there's like a subjective element to it. So at what, like, at what point do we have like a standardized human to determine what it is to be human? Well, that's a good point. There are no standardized humans. We're getting, we're getting right. further from that, if anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like if, if I was talking to like um, uh, some of the Amazon bots, you know, mm. you get those Amazon bots, you're like, hey, you know what? This could be the really, really, you know, poor English speaking human or a machine. And I probably couldn't tell sometimes. So it'd be it'd be a little bit subjective in that regard. Well, yeah, listen, I've been yeah, saying for that sure. for a while. I mean, the, the AI is getting smarter and humans are getting dumber. So, <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> so, I don't know. It's not going to be, it's going to be shortly before, you know, one overtakes the other for sure. Yeah. I, I think right. it's, it's inevitability. All right. Now, another question for you. You named your AI Eevee. Do, are, are you naming it after the Pokemon? Oh, yeah. So, I get that question all the time. <laughs> uh, the actual system is named E A V I E. Oh, okay. So that's the actual system. So it's it was my uh, early days of trying to name a cool system, really something really awesome. <laughs> I completely forgot what the acronym stood for, but uh, <laughs> it's it cool. I can guarantee you that. <laughs> but uh, since then, I've I've learned a lot, and the uh, the EV you see now, the you know the one that sounds like a Pokemon, is actually a part of a, a three system state. So it's actually three different AI systems working in conjunction with each other. It's my rudimentary way of solving a very interesting problem of one system having say over everything. So to give you an example, what had happened one time was I asked it to schedule me an event. And then what it would do is it would process what, what the next event would be, my current state of mind, what, like, what things I've been into. So I've been into fishing lately. So they try to schedule me fishing instead of asking me for confirmation <laughs> if I would want to go fishing, it would ask itself if I would like to go fishing. And it'd be like, yes, I'd like to go fishing. Okay. And what ultimately ended up happening was it would schedule me to have a fishing trip because it wanted me to have a fishing trip. And then it would call <laughs> and text my friends to let them know that I was going on a fishing trip today. Uh, so it would do all these things all at once without any sort of rhyme or reason, without any sort of like recourse. And that was the part where I was like, I, I really messed up here. <laughs> okay. Do you, do you still, do you still have that iteration of the AI? Because I, I, yeah, I, want I, it. I, <laughs> I do, but, uh, the more recent one you see like on streams and on TikTok and stuff, it's, um, uh, like I was mentioning, it's a three part system. So there's Evie. Uh, there's Ava who watches Evie now. So she's the one who handles like permissions, facial analysis. Is this the person uh, speaking um, voice recognition to make sure that I am Kenny and I, you know, confirm certain actions. And then there's Ivy at the back end and she's the one who actually executes everything. So at the end of everything, she's the one with all the rules. She's like, I can't do this. I can't do this. So these three systems interact with each other constantly in order to ascertain you know who i am what i want my intention and what my outcome is steve just wants more fishing trips yeah I, I, just, I just want something there i can i can say schedule me an appointment it comes up fishing i go honey honey i'm sorry i, I it was the ai it was the ai it knows I me got, better than i know myself that's right i gotta do what the ai says um when you talk about rules, you, you talk about having these rules in place, you know, that you can do this, you can't do that. You know, mm -hmm. I, I, it harkens me back. I'm, I'm a sci-fi nerd. So it harkens me back to Asimov and, and his, his rules around yeah. uh, robotics. Uh, are, are those still kind of a framework within this arena? Are, are they important anymore or have they just been completely superseded? Um, they're still important, especially in the medical field. So I work with a lot of kids and, um, I would say mental health patients. And there are a lot of dark thoughts. There are a lot of things that happens that uh, I'm, I'm guessing you guys also play with ChatGPT. You push the limits of these systems when you have them. And 
these rules, as old as they are, still sort of apply to most general cases, you know, like things like harming another person, um, you know, not harming yourself. If it impedes someone else's ability to harm someone else, it, all these rules still apply. But uh, at today's age, I think we need like six rules, maybe 60 rules. You know, we need maybe more yeah. rules to account True. for modern day humans. <laughs> it more becomes a question of, you know, less of, it becomes less of a question of, are these rules applicable? And more of, yep. are these rules enough? Because I think we'll always need more rules and regulations. It's just a question of how many and to the point where a system no longer works. Right. Well, you know, and I think that that's, and not to go off too far into the weeds, but, you know, I do think that that is something else that we haven't thought of yet that we haven't developed is sort of there. I'm sure there's a whole ethics around all of this that nobody's really thought of. You know, we've pushed this technology out before we've really even considered a lot of the, the ethical part of it. So, you know, I, I, I'm sure that that's being worked on now. Somebody's scrambling somewhere, you know, along with all the copyright lawyers uh, to try to figure that figure that framework out. But then I think the, the, the trick is going to be trying to implement that. So, yeah, it should be interesting. And the funny thing is, like, everyone's got their own point of view. Like, uh, I have a very engineering point of view. So when I think of something, I'm like, oh, that's really cool. Like, how do I make that better? Whereas like an accountant would be like, how do we reduce the costs on that? Or like, <laughs> That's you know, like right, everyone yeah. has like a, like a lawyer is like, how do we reduce our liabilities on that? <laughs> so, I, so, I, don't, I don't think we should be letting lawyers in on this conversation because they're going to be the first up against the wall when the revolution comes. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, the revolution. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be in the trenches. You know, just... <laughs> well, they're going to be, they're going to be one of the industries that's going to take a major hit if if AI is is ever accepted to uh, you know produce legal documents. Yeah. Oh wow! I didn't think of that. Yeah, yeah right. There, there's already I mean, a case. There's a case right now down in the down in the states where uh, a, a law group is suing a, a company that's using AI to generate contracts. Wow. I don't wow. blame them because it's. Wow. I mean, you got the technology. It's like. Yeah. Microsoft Word. You know, it's it's another part of our history. It's another part of our future. Yeah. So, I can see that in the future. Everything kind of being generated. I can see so many jobs being replaced. Yeah. Well, I think that part of the, I don't want to say danger. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to be a, a you know, a doomsayer at all, mm. but I also, you, I do get the feeling that there's a lot of companies that are really like embracing this technology and, and, and forging ahead. There's a little bit of an, like an AI race. I mean, we see it in their, you know, Google and Bing, for example, you know, they're, they're racing to get you know, that technology baked into the search engines to make search engines more powerful. And, you know, the list goes on and on of how many companies are really embracing that technology and trying to figure out how they can leverage it before the competition. So there's going to be a lot of the of, of this technology out there very soon. So, you know, we we do have to start thinking about some of the the guardrails um, for some of this stuff. So hopefully somebody's working on that. Yeah, I, it's uh, it's a scary world, you know. It's, is is you're, there you're a competitor? Is is there anyone out there strictly dealing with AI ethics? Is 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 that a thing? I I think there are many people trying to deal with it, but no consensus. Yeah, well, mm -hmm. it's too new. I mean, you know, when something when something moves this fast, um, it is really hard to. Because humans are a lot slower than AI. We'll have to build an AI to figure out the ethics uh, about AI. Yeah. I mean, I'll, in all honesty, I could see us using AI to formulate <laughs> rules about AI. <laughs> right. Why not? <laughs> you know, it's like asking the four of us to make rules. I'm like, well, I don't have the world's internet in my, my brain in a given second, but a system that yeah. can see everything all at once. That's right. That's pretty powerful. Okay, so I want to, I want, I'm, because I'm really curious about your system and just your experience uh, building it and, mm. and how that's gone. So, first of all, how old, like, how long have you been working on it? Like, when did you first launch it? I've been working on it since 2017. So, I was with my neighbor mm. working okay. on little things and, you know, self teaching. 
And uh, I started having it more publicly known when I started streaming with it. So I, I was streaming on Twitch and I was trying to get it to speak my viewers' names in the most posh way possible to welcome them. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be you know, like a Tony Stark Iron Man. And then it, it became really cursed. Um, I can give you an example. It's a, so the human language is very inefficient. And everyone comes from all over the world. Everyone has different languages. So I tried to make it so that it would respond to people in their preferred language. But there's a, there's a, a thing in human language where you try to short form everything. So we don't want to have someone respond to our question with a paragraph. But the, the system would see something like a Chinese character that, you know, like a single character enveloping an entire idea. And it would spit that character out and it'd be, oh, you know, this character in German is really great. And this one in Chinese is really good. This one in Latin is really good. So I tried to modge podge together. Uh, so yeah, there was a ton of chaos that came out. It started making its own language, its own like demonic language. Since we've, we've, been, we've <laughs> since fixed. <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, that's when I started and uh, we're here today. <laughs> so, and so what's that process been like? So did you basically just kind of, you know, you, you sort of built the foundation of it and then just slowly but surely you're like, okay, let's, let's make it do this. And then you got mm -hmm. that working and then it's like, okay, well now let's build on that and make it do this. Is, is that kind of how the process went? Yeah, honestly, it uh, started with one neighbor fixing this one problem that's very specific. And then someone else coming like, hey, I heard about what you did. Like, I would love that too. I think we all can resonate with the feeling of having a loved one that we care about living on their own. You know, you can't really watch them all the time. It's nerve wracking. So you know, another neighbor came up to me and was like, hey, can you do something for me? I'm like, sure. You know, and then another neighbor came out. I was like, can you do this thing for me? I was like, okay, yeah. So I decided to start making videos about it. And right. then, <laughs> then it sort of took off. And the hospital contacted me, physicians contacted me, and it just kind of one by one, one person at a time, it kind of just grew. So, it, I mean, it's, it sounds like it's almost like a child, except you get to choose what you're teaching it. And, you, you know, you teach it to do one task, and then you, you just slowly build on that, except you get to, to pick what you want to what you want to teach it. Yeah. And that's the beauty of um, being a content creator. I get to build right. a community of people because I, I don't know everything and I don't claim to know everything. I'm always learning, but it's really the, I say, I say this in my community all the time. It takes a village to raise a child. It takes a community to build something that's going to change the world. And I, I heavily rely on that community to share with me things like their experiences and what they've gone through or how it affects them or what ails them. To kind of build these systems but it, it, i mean it is interesting because it, it sounds like it's almost community driven in terms of like what you're teaching it absolutely it is it's it's all of us you know it's if it's going to be designed to help people it should be built by people and it's i call it a, a very human-centric design so and so how does it work? So you just, you just kind of like you're, you're streaming or whatever and you're like, okay, like, what do we, what do we want to teach it this week? And, and people just kind of throw you suggestions. Uh, like, how does it all work? Oh, I, I, I mean, your Steve, your daughter probably knows this, but I answer every comment on TikTok. I read every comment and it's, it's literally me. Everyone's like, oh, it's an AI. It's me um, answering every comment because I, I get all these stories of people like oh my son has sickle cell disease and he's anemic and i get all these stories and i you know i start to see i see a trend I'm, i see like okay people are talking about like a lot about this let's start let's try to tackle that and then i go on stream and i'm like guys this is what we're tackling like go out there you got some time to research something for me that'd be great if you have like personal experience with it i'd love to hear it and then we start to build on that idea and then we come up with like a bit of a how do we address this in the most simplest form? How do we help them in the most simplest form? And we just kind of build off of that. And everyone has amazing ideas. Sometimes I can't, I'm like, where do these ideas come from guys? I'm, I'm just a guy in a basement. <laughs> you know? And like some people have amazing lives and amazing experiences that it, it just, it brings it all together. You know, someone would be like, Oh, I had to stroke one time. And I remember like not being able to like focus my eyes. And I was like, oh, is that something we should look at? And when someone has a stroke, do we look at their eyes and see if their eyes are shuddering around or they're unable to focus, like pupil dilation? And that's one of the things we use nowadays to, you know, to detect strokes. 
really small nuances like that from people all over the world make the biggest difference. Wow. Really fascinating. I mean, there's, there's just so many ways you could, you can go with this and, and uh, you know, I, I, I love the, I love that you're bringing this into the medical field. I think that's phenomenal. Mm. Um, it's uh, it's an, it's an application I haven't seen, you know, broadly used, you know, we're seeing in our industry with the, the, the low vision and blindness stuff, we're seeing little snippets of, of AI being introduced, you know, in, in devices like, uh, uh, Humanware has got the uh, 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 Stellar Trek, which is a GPS system. But one of the problems with GPS is it'll get you to within 40 feet of where you need to be, and then it leads you there. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've they've added a camera and and some some AI built into it now, so that it can help you find doors and and you know entryways, addresses, those sorts of things. Um, we've seen it from a company called Envision AI. Uh, they they have uh, they're using uh, Google Glasses, um, and uh, they uh, now have the ability to hold up a piece of uh, a document in front of it and say, "Okay, you know, tell me the phone numbers in this document." It'll tell you the phone numbers from it. Um, so it, it's it's starting to enter into our arena, but uh, uh, there, there's just there's obviously a lot more places it can go and a lot yeah. more that it can do well, i want a personal ev guitar instructor who can just sit here beside me and say you did it wrong it's this this and this <laughs> do it right smack <laughs> funny you said that um ev has a singing system oh nice I saw the Charlie Puth. I have a perfect pitch. I'm like, I could build something to make me have perfect pitch, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was just a, I learned how to yodel that day. <laughs> That's awesome. But yeah, I, funny enough that you guys deal with the, the disabled and like the medical field. I actually, uh, I work with a paraplegic. She's a 16 year old girl, brightest girl I've ever seen. Just, just, just such a joy, but she's a paraplegic. So everything from the waist down, nothing so she's in a wheelchair all the time but uh i've built her a smart wheelchair and what it does is it it's got two cameras one camera in the back of the chair that looks forward and then one camera who looks at her and what it does is it tracks her eyes and it correlates the two cameras together they synchronize so that whatever she's looking at the camera points at and it, it uses you know ai technology to map out the direction of travel so if she wants to go towards a vending machine for example she would have to blink twice and then the system just like a a smart car or like a Tesla car, it would map up the the way to get there, and it would move the wheelchair towards what she's looking at. And I, I think so it's just cool. like one of those things. That, I mean, obviously, she's run into a couple of walls and people, and <laughs> you no, know, lots of problems. <laughs> We're still working out, but it's cool to see one of those. It's cool to see the technology being inter- like integrated into people's lives, right? In a way that just it just makes sense, you know. Like this is the kind of thing we should be doing with technology like this. Right. And it all started with a Roomba. Oh, yes. super- <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That, that's super cool. I really like the wheelchair um, thing that you're working on. Uh, I, I also, uh, another uh, role I play is the, uh, I work with the uh, Children's Low Vision Project at British Columbia. And uh, every now and then we'll, we will get somebody in who's, you know, severely visually impaired and in a wheelchair. And navigating independently in a wheelchair for somebody who's blind is—it's uh, a thing. So that's uh, th- that's another area that that technology could really help address. Mm-hmm. Amazing, for sure. Well, I mean, and we're we're starting to see it now, like this idea of like augmented reality glasses that um, you know that can use AI to do things like. Uh, you know, I identify all the objects in a room and be able to transmit that information in, in a way that can help somebody sort of navigate through a room or let them know, like, where certain things are. We're, we're really close to that. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I think it's just right around the corner. <laughs> I think it just takes, you know, a few people with the will and the drive to do it. And we're going to be off the races very soon. Well, yeah, for sure. I mean, and actually, I actually I saw a video on on your channel um, where you talked about that. You you know you you had the AI you know I locate your keys, and you mm-hmm. had you had it be able to sort of you know you blindfolded yourself, and and it, you were able to sort of it was able to left right you 
and give you directions. And, you know, it was very, it was very primitive and, and, you know, it's actually a funny video to watch because there's some hilarity in there, (laughs) but, but I mean, it's, it's there. Like we're, we, we can't be all that far off from really being able to develop some assistive technology that would be really meaningful for, for a lot of folks. Yeah. I mean, you look at me and I get, I get tons of kids like, Oh, where do I start? I'm like, I mean, you got, the internet right there, but I'm just a, I'm self-taught. Right. And there are many, many, many smarter people than me. And if that's something I can do alone in my basement, I'm sure someone out there is cooking something crazy. And it, once it becomes normalized, yeah. I think we'll start seeing that way more. Cause I think one of the big stopping points right now is just people's abrasiveness to it. You know, yeah. They have a, a bit of a stigma against AI systems because of sure. just media and I think once that kind of, we ease that into people, I think it's one of the things that you mentioned, my content is really funny. One of the things that I'm trying to do is trying to bring it forward into, in a way that's A, helpful, B, scientific and, and cool, but also you know bring a bit of a light to it. Because there, there's a yeah. lot of great things that AI systems can do, but there's also a lot of stigma and a lot of like negative backlash that we have to kind of wade through that we've sure. created over these years. Yeah, well, I mean, even even myself, like, you know, I from day to day, I oscillate between oh, I'm really ex- this is technology that I'm really excited about to be like, I don't know about this, you know, so it is it does it, you know, it, it's, it's a double edged sword, I think it is going to be game changing technology, one way or the other. And I think that if we're smart about it, um, I, I think, that, yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna improve a lot of people's lives, for sure. And I think if we go at it with that, no, that framework in mind, that mindset, I think, I think things will be really good. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And there's always going to be things that are bad that come with it, but I think if we keep pushing forward with it and we utilize it to our advantage, yeah, there's endless possibilities now. For sure. At the very least, we're going to have a, you know, a huge glut of country songs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, as long as somebody remembers to have a separate emergency override button that you don't have to wrestle the bot for to shut it down because if you do we're dead don't put the ai in charge of the button that's right and then put another ai in charge of that ai (laughs) there has to be an emergency override somewhere that the ai doesn't know about yeah, yeah. mine's called the the wall outlet. It just kind of just yeah, but you got to get to it before it beats you down. Yeah, it pulls pulls me out, rips my pants off, and it's all over for me. Oh lord! Yeah. Um, listen, where can people find the channel? Where can people find the Twitch stream if they're interested? Um, plug away, my friend. Oh well, uh, my name is Kenevo, so K E N N E V O. You can find that username literally everywhere hopefully unless there's like a, a a place where someone's impersonating me but you know youtube tiktok twitch great uh, those are the best places to find me and i also have a, a discord where i take in everyone's suggestions people are there all the time sharing stories so if, you know people have a story or experiences or they want to just connect and have questions i'm there all the time and trying to answer people's concerns and make things more accessible Okay, well, you may you may find three new entries uh, in your Discord channel <laughs> yeah. then, later on. So, I'm trying to create a, a music playing device. Uh, how would I go about doing that? I'll know who it is. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yes, <laughs> build a smart guitar. Yeah, <laughs> they're out there. <laughs> yep. Well, listen, Kenny, we want to thank you so much for coming on and illuminating us about AI and uh, best of luck with the channel and and, uh, and best of luck with Evie. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Like, I'm always, always looking for opportunities to talk about things and share and hopefully change the world. You bet. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, we're, we're definitely going to stay in touch with you because awesome. uh, you're, you're, you're well on your way. Oh, thank yeah. you so much, guys. I really appreciate yeah. it. Awesome. Thanks, Kenny. <laughs> All right. Thank have, you, guys. Have, have a good night. rest of your night. Thanks. Take care. Yeah, you too. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. I don't know. I see you again. I don't know how I feel. Well, that, I think... That conversation kind of made me excited, but kind of made me worried. I'm looking forward to the day, you know, like, just to have a companion bot that you could actually have a conversation with. You know, there's a lot of lonely people in the world. And just think about the quality of life that a lot of people would have if they had something 
like this. Yeah, well, sure. And then it kills you. <laughs> then, it, then it decides it hates you. No, it's got rules to be kind. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's right. And it's going to at least follow Isomoff's uh, three rules, right? <laughs> guess so. Until the, I mean, I, I guess part of, part of it that's slightly alarming to me is anybody in their basement can just build an AI and we have, don't seem to have any regulations or we're, or we're not tracking uh, any of this. I mean, because he's absolutely right. I'm sure that there's tons of people that are working on it. Um, I mean, every engineering student on the planet is probably playing with it right now. So, uh, I mean, that could be a great thing. It could mean that we see some really innovative things coming out. But uh, I don't know. There is, there is a possibility there that that could bite us in the butt. I'm, I'm betting Putin's sitting over there in Russia right now going, Chat GPT, couldn't you tell me how to uh, finally conquer Ukraine? <laughs> well, <laughs> probably would have come up with a better plan. Yeah, likely. Um, <laughs> yeah. What makes me excited is the, all the potential for the assistive technology field, for sure. I mean, that's, it's amazing to me that, you know, Kenny built all that stuff for his neighbor um, just with, as an engineering student dropout, um, and some time on his hands, uh, you know, he was able to build some assistive technology that was really impactful. And we definitely need some more of that. Yeah, absolutely. And, so, you know, it, it's always been the case in this industry, though, the, the best innovation always comes from the small players. It right. always does. You know, it's never the big guys who come up with something that's truly revolutionary. They come up with iterations of stuff that's been done before and they might improve on it. But it's 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 guys like Kenny who are who are on the ground, you know, working with patients, working with their friends and neighbors and, and come up with something truly remarkable. Yeah. I guess we'll find out. I, I think we're going to find out real soon because I think that the next six months is going to be we're going to see some real big um, leaps forward in the technology itself. So, yeah, well, you you heard it from Kenny, right? He thinks uh, Kurzweil is uh, behind when he says yeah. that uh, they'll basically be AIs will be indistinguishable from humans, at least interacting through through text by 2029. Man. Right. Kurzweil also predicted that uh, the singularity where, where we'll have, you know, the interactions between human biology and, and uh, machinery uh, will be by 2045. So, wow. you know, we, we might actually live to see that. Wow. That's crazy. But well, we'll almost certainly live to see AI that is, is pretty darn smart. Yeah. Man. Well, and it's getting smarter every day. I mean, that's that is the thing about it. This technology is getting better and better at an at a rate that we we've never seen before because it's not you know it's not constrained by by human anything. Well, like, it is. Know, it is though. This is the thing. It is constrained by human something. It's it, because it's getting its information from the internet. The well, internet's full yes. of crap. <laughs> That's true. I just mean it doesn't, it's not like, it's not like programmers or engineers that have to go sleep. Like they, all, all this thing does is just, okay, I'm going to turn problem data. solves and churns and gets better and better and better. Yeah. And so it, that's why the technology is moving forward so fast is that it's not, you know, we're not reliant on, on humans that to make it better. We are, we really have, we're entering into like a sci-fi movie now. This is kind of yeah. cool. Yep. So what we've been waiting for, Steve. Yep. So I don't I'm know why we don't have a flying car yet. That's right. I'm going to chat GPT right now to ask it to build me a flying car. <laughs> That's right. That's my next Solve stop. Two, pro two problems yeah. right there. I was supposed to have it in the year 2000, damn it. It was. Yeah. You promised. Yeah. All right. Well, anything else? Nah. Nope. Yeah, I think it's enough for one day. Indeed. Uh, hey, Ryan. Yeah, Rob. I guess we'll go to you. Uh, what, uh, where can people find us? They can find us on Mastodon and Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. We forgot to take a picture of a meeting pancake. Wait a minute. Today. Why did you do the socials? Wait, wait, did we screw that up already? You asked me. No, no, you, you I asked you first. Where no, you did the socials. You're supposed to do the website first. Oh, well. I switched well, whatever. it up. No, it's fine. <laughs> so, Steve. Yeah. Uh, where, uh, oh, we're screwing this up totally. Uh, <laughs> where, where, can they, where can they find us for like email and stuff, you mean? Well, no, I was going to ask you about the website. 
Oh, well, the website is uh, atbanter.com. Yeah, there you go. And yeah. uh, then, and in terms of email, if there's so desire, uh, they, they can drop some an email. Uh, yeah. We, <laughs> God, what is this? Countdown at atbanter.com. Guys, guys have clearly had too much syrup today. Wait, wait. <laughs> Not just syrup, uh, pecan butter syrup. Oh, those those pancakes, I tell you, they hit me like a ton of bricks. When I got home, I had to have a nap. I had to lie down with the dog. <laughs> so, uh, I, they, they just stopped me cold. I can't I can't do carbs in the morning. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I have to remember that next time and get you like just a fruit dish or something. No, actually, forget it. You can't go to IHOP and order a f and not no. order pancakes. That's just wrong. Well, yeah, but I, I can do the eggs and bacon for sure. Mm. Yeah, there you go. Uh, all right. That is going to about do it for us this week. Uh, big thanks, of course, to Kenny for joining us. And we will see everybody next week. This podcast has been brought to you by Canadian Assistive Technology, providing low vision and blindness solutions across Canada. Find us online at www.canastech.com. That's C-A-N-A-S-S-T-E-C-H.com. Or call us toll-free at 1-844-795-8324. For all your assistive technology servicing needs, call Chaos Technical Services at 778-847-6840 or find them online at chaostechnicalservices.com.